Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 188, Your New Normal Writing Life, an interview with Natalie Walters coming to you on Thursday, March 26, 2020. I interviewed Mar- uh, Natalie about her last book in November. And then we decided we had to talk again about her new book. But when we were deciding what to talk about, we were like, you know what? What people probably need right now is more encouragement and more of a sense of um, like these are good things that can happen in your life right now. Um, Helping other people will make you feel a lot better about anything that you're feeling nervous about in your life. Um, Figuring out how to just be okay with, um, you know, weird new things that are happening in your life, like not being able to go out to a restaurant and sit down and eat there, canceling your vacation plans. At the moment that uh, Natalie and I are talking, it's the day before my birthday. And I, I will say that I am disappointed that all of my birthday plans have gone out the window and we had to make new birthday plans. But we just decided that we would find a way to make new birthday plans that were fun. They would be different, but we were still focused on having fun. So for instance, we actually started my birthday cake tonight. (laughs) So there's always something that you can do, something that you can find that will make um, weird and scary situations seem a little bit better. And one of the things is hanging out with other people who are upbeat and positive and don't have their head in the sand, but are looking for the the other way of looking at things. And Natalie and I wanted to be your encouraging friends today and just talk about what's going on in, in life and how that affects uh, the, the writer's life. Um, some of us, our lives on the one hand don't seem very, very changed because We were working at home all the time, and now we're still working at home all the time. But on the other hand, there might be more people in your home than there were before. Or other weird things like um, being frustrated that you have to cancel plans. Um, Oh, boy. 30th anniversary party. Not going to happen. I was really, really looking forward to that because we missed our 25th anniversary party. But on the other hand, there are other things that you can just choose to find the good things that are happening. And because we're writers, there's no reason why not to look at the headlines and look for the things that you can pull out that work with the genre that you write in. And we talk about that a little bit too. Well, more than a little bit. (laughs) So she writes romantic suspense. I write romantic comedy. And we were both talking about things that we saw in the headlines where we're like, oh, yeah, that's that's uh, inspiring or gives me an idea or uh, so it doesn't necessarily have to be. Well, I don't write dystopian fiction or, um, you know, something about uh, end of the world, apocalyptic, you know, everybody dies from a virus like that's not the kind of writing I do therefore nothing happening in the world can help my writing not true so uh, I hope that our conversation gives you some more ideas about ways to look at the headlines ways to look at your own life give yourself a little bit of a break as you try to figure out what is your new normal in your regular life your whole life and also specifically in your writing life um my new normal is actually I'm getting more writing done mostly, which is weird, uh, but it's because all of my meetings have been canceled. <laughs> all of my networking events have been canceled. So I'm actually home a little bit more. Um, 
I can't say that I dislike it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's just cancel everything so I can stay home and write even more. So there are ways to look at your life in a way that you can like for this period of time, however long it lasts, uh, I'm going to be looking for the positives. Hopefully we will help you to, to feel good about that. And if you remember the last interview with Natalie, she just has so much enthusiasm and energy and life and positive life force just kind of flowing all out of her that you're definitely going to just feel better regardless of whether if you're even really listening to what we're saying because she's just a wonderful person to talk to. She makes me feel like all excited about life even though um, we, we always have to end up talking because we're so far apart. We're almost exactly halfway around the world from each other. So it's the beginning of her day but the end of mine I'm like oh I gotta find a way to like fall asleep now and like whoo wind down, come down with the positive energy. You're going to love it. I love talking to her and I'm sure that um, if you miss the November interview, you'll have to go back and find it after you listen to this one. Plus, um, there are good things to know at the end of the interview about her new book, um, Pre-Order Goodies, she talks about, and the first book in the series that if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can read it for free. So without further ado, here's the interview with Natalie. Enjoy. Today's guest is Natalie Walters. Natalie is the author of Living Lies, Deadly Deceit, and the brand new Silent Shadows out on March 31st, 2020. A military wife of 22 years, she currently resides in Hawaii with her soldier husband and their three kids. She writes full-time and has been published in Proverbs 31 magazine and has blogged for guideposts online. In addition to balancing life as a military spouse, mom, and writer, she loves connecting on social media, sharing her love of books, cooking, and traveling. Natalie comes from a long line of military and law enforcement veterans and is passionate about supporting them through volunteer work, races, and writing stories that affirm no one is defined by their past. Welcome, Natalie. Hi, how are you? I am surprisingly good. I was recently, about two hours ago, chewed out by a four-year-old for having a slice of my birthday cake the night before my birthday. Oh, he well, said that I was know, a bad girl. There are some rules that cannot be broken. <laughs> Apparently. I guess I forgot about the rules when I got older. <laughs> yeah, I've probably, the four-year-old has probably tried to have cake before actual birthday and been denied. And so the injustice of you having it before your birthday was too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it probably doesn't help that it's his mom that made me the cheesecake birthday cake. <laughs> Ooh, cheesecake birthday cake. Oh, that's fancy. I, oh my gosh. I don't like cake. So I was so excited when one year my mom said, well, you don't have to have cake. What do you want? And I'm like, well, can I have cheesecake? You can put candles on that. And then every year since then, I've been like, cheesecake birthday. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. I'm not a cake. I don't like cake either. Yeah. Well, let me just tell you, in case you need the recipe for this, because I'm thinking I need the recipe for this. It's a peanut butter and chocolate cheesecake on a brownie base with chocolate ganache on top. Yeah, you're going to, I bet every, you're going to get all kinds of messages from all of your viewers. Like, we want that recipe. Yeah. We need that recipe. We need it. It's part of our mental health strategy That's now. right. That's right. <laughs> Chocolate and peanut butter is exactly what the doctor prescribes. Exactly. Well, so speaking of doctors, let's just look at the elephant in the room. So we're in the middle of COVID-19 worldwide pandemic, which I know is like saying something twice, but still, 
it's hard for me to imagine there's anything happening in the world at the same time, except for like the last episode of Lost or something like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I know there's a show, so it's really interesting there. I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a television show that was, I think on Fox for a while called Last Man on Earth. And it literally opens up in the year 2020 after a deadly virus hits. I was like, oh, like that. Yeah, it's 2020 and a deadly virus. And I was like, "Mm, just the prophecy of that. (laughs) That's good. That's crazy. I I don't. It's a it's a funny show. It's it's an interesting show. But um, it I just thought it was really interesting that they picked that year and that particular ailment, (laughs) considering. Oh yeah. You know, I have to say there, there have been some kind of weird moments like that on, on, on my side too. In as much as, um, I think I found out the afternoon before I flew out that London book fair was canceled and I was like, okay, well it was one of three, it was the major reason, but it was one of three events. I'd planned other events during the week also. So, and I was like, well, you know, nobody is saying, <laughs> of course, how quickly things change. At that moment, no one was saying don't fly or whatever, right. just be careful. Nobody was even saying, you know, you should definitely do this or that on a plane or in the airport. Um, and I had, you know, non-refundable cheap tickets. So <laughs> I was like, right. I'm using it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the number of writers that I met at Mark Dawson's self-publishing show live event that was the day before London Book Fair would have been, that, that still went on. We had about 600 people instead of 900, but we still went on. Uh, I ended up hanging out with a whole bunch of writers who all wrote fantasy of some kind. A ton of them wrote dystopian fantasy. And a couple of them, like two or three years ago, published books that were really, really like what we're doing now. And they're just like, that's kind of weird. But um, they weren't as weirded out as I was because they're scientists and they mm-hmm. like took their own background to create the story. Right. And they're like, yeah, it's not really that weird. I'm like, but it's weird to the rest of us. Right, right. Just to, to, for them to like the timing, it's the timing. Like timing is everything in, in particular, you know, I know as authors like that, you know, how do you become JK Rowling? It's timing, like her timing, her story. I mean, she's a fabulous writer, but just the timing of all of it worked out perfectly. And so for a lot of these, it's like the timing of, I know um, there's another author, Diane Mills, who's got a book that's coming out. I think it's called Airborne. And it's literally about a virus on a plane that like someone's using. And so I was like, oh my God. And she's like, I would never like capitalize on like what's going on, but just the timing of it is just like, wow. You're like, it was oh my gosh. How, like, how do you, you know, how do you, you just, you, you can't, it just happens. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But. I can't remember the name of it, but um, there was, there was a movie. I want to say it was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, but now I can't remember that um, was scheduled for an October release after September 11th, mm-hmm. after 9-11. And they pulled the movie because it was so close to what had just yeah. happened. And like that script had to have been written at least three years earlier. Right. Right. That's how these books, these books, I mean, uh, my stories have been written at least two years in advance, you know, at least the idea, you know, has been that far. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, I I think that's one of the things I always, um, when authors like just the timing of it, like what needs to come out, even, even from other side, like you read a story, like not necessarily apocalyptic, but just a story that speaks to your heart in a way that you're like, wow, I really needed to read this story at this moment. Yeah. You, I mean, that's just the power of story. Like we just don't know when it's going to come into our lives, but 
it always seems like the perfect story comes into our lives at the perfect time. So I, th I think that's one of the things I love about being a reader is you just, you never know what you're going to get in a story. And then it's delightful when you find something that's like, oh, that, that spoke to me. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and um, you and I were talking uh, just before we started recording, you know, what can we say that is um, positive and upbeat and hopeful and still related to writing, but also just related to a lot of people are finding themselves in the middle of a totally different new life. You and I were talking, your life doesn't seem to have changed much at all. My life has only changed a tiny bit. So in a way, I, I felt a little bit bad that the first week that that we all started staying home, which for me was last week, I was like, this is like vacation. John cooks for me every day. We have lunch together. We talk about whatever we want. Then we meander back to our offices. We did spring cleaning on Saturday. I'm like, this is awesome. And What's then, so bad about this? Right, right. And then everybody started kind of like, um, you know, running in place and by this morning, so Monday of the second week was so basically I had one really awesome week and now Monday it was like, okay, we need you to do this, 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 this. And I'm like, okay, people are asking more of me than I have to give. <laughs> this is really getting too much and it's only Monday. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's, it's hard to believe like I was thinking like, okay, this is day eight. And you can kind of see where people fall on the spectrum of like being able to handle like what's going on. So I think a lot of introverts were like, we have been planning this or preparing for this for all our lives. Like <laughs> This is our moment. Yeah. And now they're kind of like, well, wait a minute. People are now in our moment. So it's not that you can just introvert at home. You now have like a bunch of other people. So my husband is an extreme extrovert. And oh, we wow. actually happened to be in Texas last week. We were, we had gotten there early, like literally before any of this kind of happened, or at least the, the main part of it started happening. We landed and then all of a sudden my phone like lit up, like all these things were canceled. Like NBA season was canceled. I'm like, we literally just left LA. What happened in three hours that like the whole world is shutting down. And so we were there with my daughter and, um, and I think it was like day two of like, please, you know, like the restaurants are closing, like, please don't go out or whatever. And my husband, like he about lost his mind. He was like, we can drive in the car. We can drive in the car. And I was like, we're supposed to stay in. And I was like, he is not going to make it. Like, He's not going to make this. So, I mean, granted he here, he, you know, we came back home and he's in the military. So he's an essential employee. But I, I said, I, that's probably the only thing that's saving him and me. From like, you know, like our own like apocalypse inside of our home. <laughs> like someone might could die and it won't be because of COVID. <laughs> That's right. It would be a justifiable homicide. So I'm only saying that playfully, please anybody. It's yeah. like anybody who's taking note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If anything happens to her husband, she did not do it. That's right. I'm a fiction author, people. <laughs> And I write suspense. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. It was killing me. I'm at like 82% on the book. I'm like, I want to tell you what just happened. But then the people who are also like, that sounds like a good book. I'm going to go buy it. Then I'll have sort of, I'm just like, I'm so close. I just want to know what happened. <laughs> oh Who's gosh. shooting at them? <laughs> I know, right? Who are they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, OK, 
okay, so so you're in Hawaii. I'm in Sweden. Um, a lot of our friends and family are in the U.S. and listeners, a lot of them in the U.S., a lot of them in other places. Um, I don't know if you have some people. I know a few people who are still stuck someplace, which is not where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So um, what's your what's your first thought um, as a fiction writer, as a mom? I mean, where what are you doing to try to figure out what your new normal is? So it's really interesting. I have my oldest daughter is in Dallas. She's a nurse. So she's on the front lines of this, uh, of this pandemic. Um, she used to be on the ortho floor. Now she's <clears throat> moving in and out of ICU and the ER taking care of uh, COVID patients. Um, as a mom, that stresses me out to know. And so I'm always like, you know, telling her, make sure you protect yourself. And, and, and I told her that I'm praying for her. And, uh, I know, um, she's such a light to her. I mean, she's just, her name is, her name means smile so bright in Hawaiian. It's KK Lani. And, um, and I know she's just probably a, a bright source and like a really dark moment for a lot of these patients. And so, um, I know that she's where she needs to be, where, where God has called her to be. So, uh, I, I definitely am, am praying for her. And then you know, we have my, my children here and they're grown, uh, grown children. They're both in, uh, adults. My son is in his senior year of, of high school. So there's a lot of uncertainty as to whether or not he's going to have a commencement ceremony. And, you know, and you kind of look at it and, you know, we're a military family. So my kids are pretty resilient. They've had to give up a lot of things and not, and, and sacrifice a lot of things. And so, uh, this feels like, we're right along a sacrifice of like commencement and in the grand scheme of things, the health of like the world, the health of those we care about is the most important thing. But at the same time, you know, he's giving up something he's worked 12 years to like get to the, get this. I mean, that's a big life moment, graduation from, from high school or, and there's people who, um, not, you know, not being able to, graduate or have a commencement ceremony from college or like my daughter, you know, she had her white coat ceremony. And so like for doctors and nurses, they're, you know, those kind of things are being stripped away from them. And so, you know, I, I have a, a really a heart of compassion towards, you know, our, our graduates this year who are facing uh, sort of a, like their moment, their time to celebrate is kind of being taken away from them. But uh, you know, I just, I tell my son, it's, you know, at the end of the day, we just have to celebrate that you've accomplished this and we will celebrate it in, in a different way. We, you know, we don't know what that is because we don't know what the future is going to hold in regards to like when we're going to be lifted from, you know, house arrest <laughs> or, or whatever. But I was like, you know, we're, we're going to celebrate, celebrate that. And, you know, I think there's a little bit of a, a perspective change, a reprioritization of what's the most important thing. And, and, um, and graduation is certainly important. Uh, but I think for my son, just reminding him that there's, you know, my, my middle daughter has an immune, an autoimmune disease. And so for us, there's also like, you know, she's susceptible to, you know, getting, getting sick. And so kind of knowing like you have people you care about, you don't want them to, 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 to get more sick or, you know, die or, you know, whatever. So, I think it's just kind of putting those things in perspective. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like there's just a, you know, he has the hope that there's still going to be a celebration. It just might not be in May. I mean, there'll be a, yeah. a celebration and we, you know, we may do a special graduation with his friends and just do our own thing and, and, 
And that's the thing we look forward to. And that's the thing I encourage him to, to look forward to is, okay, well, let's start thinking of what we can do once this is done. And then, because I think that's what we have to remind ourselves that, that this will pass. Yeah. And, um, and that's a promise that we're given. Um, and I think that's the hope we should cling to is that this will pass and we will, we will be stronger because of it. If we look at, at the past 9-11, World War II, these things, that the d- d- depression, you know, we can, we will be refined through this. And I think we will be refined as a better, uh, a better group of humanity. So that's my hope. That's what I'm clinging to. Yeah. I love that. That's such a great way of looking at it because um, even the times that it seems like you have broken and you're telling yourself, I've broken, I, I can't get up again. I can't do this again. Somehow that ends up not being the last, the last scene of the story. And, and you look back and go, you go, well, I, I don't know how I got up again, but here I am. I'm standing again. So yeah, absolutely. It's good to have that hope. I think that's a really good reminder. Right. And I think that that's one of those things like, you know, um, I feel like our country as a whole was probably strongest after 9-11. We, we all, yeah. we all, you know, came together. Um, I think the world as a whole even was, was, was stronger. Um, and I feel like if we look for it, we can see humanity coming together to, to do this. You see this in people taking food to the elderly or to, and I see all these pictures of, you know, people going and visiting their grandparents at a senior center between the windows playing tic-tac-toe or, oh messaging and it's just endearing and I you know like um I think like I called my grandfather who lives in New Mexico I was just checking on him and I said grandpa I got toilet paper do you need me to send you some toilet paper do you need me to send you some food like what do you want me to send you and he was like can you send me a luau and I was like I can't do that (laughs) but I you know but just I think it forces us like when you're when you're stuck at home you kind of are limited in in distractions and so I, I think being able to say, you know what, I'm going to call my grandpa, or I'm going to call a family member, or I'm going to call a friend that I haven't spoken to and, and FaceTime. And I think that that, you know, that, that can't be bad in this whole thing. I think that's actually a, a positive uh, outlook to this. And I was even suggesting, you know, um, I know a lot of people are losing their jobs, which is really, really disheartening, um, especially like small businesses and like the restaurant industry. And I, you know, I encourage people, I encourage my friends, we've done buy gift cards, like the e-gift cards online. And if you know of like a family member, like an older family member who can't get out, send it to them and they can order, they can order food, they can order a pizza or send it to the nurses and doctors who probably are not thinking about going to the grocery store, or can't make it to the grocery store, send it to them so that they can order pizza and sit down and eat with their family. And, you know, um, or even if you're out and about going to get groceries, take some gift cards to the the grocery store workers who are working so hard and so tirelessly to stock our shelves, you know, I, I know that they would appreciate that because they probably feel very abused at this moment, yeah. you know, with given everything that's going on and they really are working the best and hardest that they can. So I think in this moment, it's time to show gratitude to, you know, be grateful for just how I think sometimes we take for granted how easily and accessible things are to us. So I think, we can spread that joy. And I think by doing that, it makes us feel better yeah. and it doesn't look so bleak because we're actually doing something to help bring yeah. hope into the world. So, yeah, I live in a, um, a newer slash growing 
I don't know, I guess suburb would be the American way to say it, but I don't know what they say in Sweden. So I live in this area that um, a couple of years ago was farmland. And now the buildings across the street from me, they built so much taller than my building that I've lost most of the sun that I had when I first moved in that I was like, oh yeah, I love this apartment. And I'm like, <laughs> they took my son. <laughs> but I have been waiting and waiting. We've been here almost two years and I've been waiting for more restaurants to come out. There's, they're just, I mean, you have to wait until buildings are built before right. you put something in them. So uh, was it um, two weeks ago, maybe two and a half weeks ago? finally a restaurant, literally I can see it from my living room window opened up and I was like, yeah. And I had been posting, I had been posting on Facebook. Okay. This is crazy, but I can't help it. So I'm just going to tell you. So, so I'm seeing that there's going to be a business and I'm like, I wonder what this business is. And then at one point I was like, those look like bakery shelves. So I was like, I get out my grandpa's binoculars. <laughs> and then I'm like, but if someone looks in my window, they can see I'm looking out the window with binoculars. So I turn off all the lights. <laughs> so then I close the curtains and I'm just looking through the hole in the curtains with my binoculars without any lights on, hoping that nobody can see me. And I'm like posting on Facebook, I think it might be food. I think it might be a food place. And then <laughs> I saw this picture. They put up something in like the menu board area that had a picture of ice cream. I'm like, oh, it only looks like ice cream. But you know, I'll see what they have when they open. And then a little bit later, there was something else. I'm like, I don't think it's just ice cream, but I can't read it. What it says in Swedish. <laughs> so, Googling it. Exactly. So my Facebook posts are, are now into, because um, uh, one of my friends, one of my, my friend, Melissa, she called me a food stalker. I'm like, that's awesome. Yes. So I was like, all right, food stalking chapter three. This is what I right. saw through my binoculars today. Yes. It's like an, it's like a foodies episode of Rear Window. Like yes. Alfred Hitchcock's movie. <laughs> It is so true. So finally, I was like, okay, I need to just put on my coat. It's still cold here. I need to just put on my coat and casually walk across the street, have some, like, there's nothing over there. So <laughs> I'm just going to walk down the sidewalk and look in and then walk back home. <laughs> just casually, like, casually. Mm. Yeah. Not at all like a desperate. Desperate, de desperate foodie. Like, no, there's no drool. Food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But there was a lady in there and she looked over just as I was like, just peeking in. And so being kitty, I was so, so, so if you're <laughs> just going to do it and then I'll describe it if you're only listening. So I, I'm doing this. <laughs> so, so I'm like waving in the window with a big smile and then a great big thumbs up and a big smile. She just starts giggling and comes over and unlocks the door. And I'm like, so I just need to know what kind of food are you going to serve? I've been waiting for a restaurant for a year and a half. So I she hope she didn't look at you with like, I don't know what you're saying because I don't speak English. <laughs> that would have been so horrible. I would have been like miming food eating, eating. That's what? right. She would have been like bathroom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so she assured me that they were opening in a few days and they were going to have all sorts of sandwiches and salads and oh. ice cream. And then I heard that, um, it's a second location of a, of a restaurant that's downtown, which like four people told me, Oh my gosh, you have to try the baked potatoes. I'm oh, like, yay. okay. When does anybody ever say that about a restaurant? Right. 
Right. It's a potato. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so John and I went in last week and, and um, because I'm Kitty, I explained everything. Because first of all, if I'm going to do something nice for somebody and they don't know that I did something nice for a good reason, I don't know. I just feel like we just missed the point of the whole thing. So I, I always feel the need to explain. <laughs> so this man who speaks English, but is obviously Swedish, he's making our sandwiches. And I was like, I just wanted to let you know that like, we have plenty of food and we're trying to save money, but we're so happy that you opened that we just want to come over here and buy lunch just to make sure you don't go out of business. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing. That's a real thing. <laughs> That's, That's a, a need. Concern. Yeah. So then the, uh, eventually the woman that, that I was talking to, it turned out it was the same woman. And I said, I thought you might be her. I said, remember, I'm the food stalker. And she's like, I remember you. <laughs> so, oh so now our plan is we're going to try to go at least once a week and buy what we feel is affordable. You know, everybody I'm sure is probably trying to save money because you don't, there's a sense of not knowing, but right. also- like, I really don't want them to go out of business. And I want to buy pie from my favorite pie place in Michigan, but I don't know what to do with it once I buy it. So they're like, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Just, I don't know what to send it to. Can't yeah. Really mail it to myself. So yeah. Yeah. Mail it to, well, yeah. It's so weird. Cause like, I think, um, everybody is like kind of nervous about germs now and like touching things or whatever. I know yeah. I was like, I wonder, cause I, had some book stuff that I needed to send out. And I was like, I wonder if people are going to be like, you know, carefully opening it, but you, I, you know, you got to balance that whatever. But so our restaurants are the restaurants there open. Like you can sit in them or is it takeout only like here? Yeah. So I was going to ask you to compare because you said something else about shelter in place that I wasn't really sure what it meant. So here in Sweden, it's interesting because a lot of Swedes feel like the government isn't doing enough. And I was kind of laughing with a, another Swede today. She's like, if you don't feel like the government's doing enough and you think that everybody should be quarantined, just self-quarantine. Right, 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 right. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, all the um, restaurants. So I, because I don't have kids, there's some things with kids that I'm not 100% sure about. I think school is still going. But okay. it's also cold and flu season. So there's a ton right. of kids who are out sick. But now if you even have a cold or the regular flu, people want you to stay home too. Right. So, um, so one of our friends who's a teacher made it sound like the schools are feeling a little emptier and the teachers are nervous because if they get sick and then they right. close the schools, then the people who have essential jobs, like where are their kids going to be. And right. So, so right. there are those questions, but as far as I can tell, none of that is actually happening. And Malma seems to be, okay. So two perspectives. I don't know. I know someone, uh, at my husband's work got it one person out of 600 and some, um, I haven't heard anything else about any other person in the city. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that there probably are some, but so it seems to me that life isn't too different. There's still people in the grocery stores, you know, of course we're out of um, flour, rice, pasta, <laughs> <laughs> um, toilet paper. We had toilet paper and now we don't, but you know, it'll come again with the next shipment, the way that grocery stores always restock. Right. But, um, but I, I did hear someone in the healthcare industry say that, that they're, kind of overwhelmed because people are just scared enough and it's a new enough thing that you can't be 100% sure that somebody's got regular flu or, or COVID right. at the beginning. And so 
everything has to be more careful than usual. And so, yeah. 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 It's um, so we have here in Hawaii, we have uh, our shelter in place is going to take effect this afternoon at four 30. We also, because we're on an Island, um, a lot of our, like the, the, the state, government is telling tourists not to come because (laughs) right now the airlines are they've got like some phenomenal airline ticket deals right now so like you can fly to hawaii round trip for like three hundred dollars from some places so the the governor's like please stop buying hundred dollar tickets and coming to our island so um which it's it was interesting because we had just gotten here wednesday night of last week and they started talking about you know closing the island down uh to tourism which Hawaii is, that is, that's all Hawaii's industry is tourism. And so, uh, and I don't really, I wasn't really sure how they were going to enforce that, but um, basically they're requiring that if you're flying into the island, if you're a resident, you have to, uh, it's mandatory quarantine for 14 days in your home. If you're a tourist, you have to mandatory quarantine inside of your hotel. Um, You cannot leave unless it's for medical purposes. I, I, I really am not sure how that's going to be enforced, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess they're just going to hope the goodwill of, of people coming will keep them in. But, um, and so uh, you, like our restaurants, like all the restaurants are closed except for takeout or delivery. Um, the grocery stores are still open. Banks are still open. Um, like they closed the parks. Um, so beach parks are closed. They can't technically close the beach, but um, and the governor was like, you can still go out for runs. You just can't run in the park. You have to run on the sidewalk. So <laughs> it's just kind of like, it's kind of a weird, I think that's the, there's so many like, uh, variants to what, you know, like they still want you to get out and, and be healthy, but you can't meet in groups of 10 or more. And you need to keep, you know, distance from, from people. Uh, so it's, I think it's very interesting. You know, my family, we were, uh, we were in kind of a shelter in place lockdown when we were overseas, um, when we lived in Egypt, cause there was civil unrest. And so they locked us down in our, in our homes, very different than this in regards to like, you know, civil war than like <laughs> the pandemic. But, um, but it, but we kind of like, because we kind of experienced that my kids are kind of like, okay, we're familiar with how this, you know, goes or whatever. Uh, but I know that after a while they get a little bit stir crazy. And I'm just really excited to see so many um, corporations, educational corporations, like putting out free content. My daughter just said that a lot of the Ivy League schools are offering um, free classes. So like you can go online to like Harvard and like take like a coding class or take, and they'll give you a certificate, like MIT is doing like certifications. And I was like, I was like, sign up, sign me up. I mean, I, yeah. I obviously am not smart enough for like um, coding <laughs> type stuff. I can't even work my cell phone. So that obviously <laughs> would not be my class to take. But I think for some of these, you know, kids that are at home, especially seniors or, yeah. or whatever that might be trying to get into college, this might be a really great opportunity for them. And then there's a lot of like um, online schooling programs and then book, you know, obviously reading, you know, is a great, it, reading is a great way. I'm just going to stick this plug in there to while away the day, while away the hours, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> lots right. of great books and audible, you know, audio, audio stories and stuff. So, um, I think that that is probably, you know, I, I've read a couple of books in the time I've got to write a book. So, <laughs> so I'm like reading and I got to write and there's, you know, that's, I think that's the hard part right now is finding that schedule with, you know, kids home and, um, 
because I, I get into the point what it feels like it should be like a holiday vacation, but the reality is like we're still working. And so like my kids were like, my son was like, mom, let's go for a hike. And I was like, you don't understand. I actually work from home. So like, this is not me on vacation. <laughs> like you could have sent me to like a, a, a cafe or, you know, like, like lock me down in a cafe and then it'll feel like, okay. <laughs> but, but this is, you know, this is, so I have like, there's certain things that I still have to like get done. And I know for you as well, but uh, it's just a really, it's just a really strange time. And to try and figure out like, how do you work that time? And I think people just need to be really um, forgiving of themselves. Like you don't need to schedule, just kind of like do some self-care and just do the best that you can and we'll all make it through this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that there's a lot of things that we can um, remind people and, and honestly, whether you're listening, watching or, you know, or the whole thing's over and you're just catching up on old episodes. Remember, there is never a time when your encouragement to somebody else is not going to make somebody feel better, whether they act like it or not, whether their face shows that they appreciate it or not. Uh, my husband sometimes makes jokes about, you know, I know my face doesn't show it, but this is how right. I feel. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I get that because I was we were at Costco and I made sure to really thank the employees and there was just a, a pair of employees that were just like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they were and I was just like you know but it's true like they may not have appreciated it at the moment but maybe at the end of the day they will remember that somebody took a moment and said thank you to them and that maybe that'll just give them a little bit of energy to make it through the next you know shift or or whatever right. but it is I think. People don't realize how far encouragement can go to to people. Yeah. You just never know. Yeah. And um, so <laughs> it's like I have 42 things to say in reply to that. <laughs> um, I have to tell you, if you haven't seen it, there is a meme that, uh, that my husband saw and reposted on Facebook um, that fear not, at some point, a 17-year-old girl will realize that she is the key to everything and will save the world. Yes. Yes, that is absolutely right. This is, this, these, this is the young adult fantasy world right now. We are living in, I know I saw something where people were trying to figure out what um, district they were in from the Hunger Games. Oh, nice. Like, I'm officially district eight. I really like, and when, and somebody made a, a graph of it and Hawaii and Alaska are not included. So I'm pretty sure we're gone. Like we're not part of the Hunger Games you know, we're an island. So whatever. Which could mean actually that you're the free people who can go and help save the other people. That, that we're going to go with that. That is yeah. what we are going to go with. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I'm claiming. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you know, the other funny thing is talk about um, encouragement. I really hope that everybody is giving some thought. And if you haven't done it yet, give it some thought in the next few days. Is there something happening around you that is giving you an idea for something that you didn't have before or a way of doing something differently that you may have never thought of before or because <laughs> this is what happened to me um I've been thinking about writing this this encouragement book for writers for a couple of years um I always try to have encouraging things in my online classes and stuff like that podcasts you know um <clears throat> I'm almost just too embarrassed to tell the whole story. So let me just say that some things happened due to 
COVID-19 that suddenly I am writing the encouragement for writers book right now. And it is due to be finished so that it can go to the printer by the end of August. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. This- <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to go find some, like, what if I've been saying that encourages people? Like suddenly you have the blank page syndrome. Right. Uh, I had a book in my mind two years ago. I knew exactly what was going to happen, but now that it's actually that moment on the production schedule, what was that story about again? (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know, I think authors sometimes get, they get so busy, like we're trying to write a story or we're in editing phase or we're, you know, in brainstorming eight. And I think like taking a moment, like what's happening right now, um, and picking up a book and reading, like taking and saying, like, okay, I'm going to read for, you know, 30 minutes in the morning, either something in my genre or something outside of my genre, um, something I've been meaning to read, I think can be encouraging to us because it can, you know, somebody's written something that's happened before, but it, we might pick up pieces and they're like, oh, I can see how that relates to what we're going through right now. And it can foster ideas for how to progress in your story or how to edit your, your, your stuff better. And I think you know, people, authors who are in like an editing phase right now can see, okay, if their character is dealing with, you know, something stressful, they can look around and see like, okay, how, how are people dealing with this? Or if somebody's writing like a YA dystopian something, they can be like, okay, this is what the government's doing. What if the government did this instead, you know? And yeah. so there's a lot that we could actually as writers be taking notes of or, or seeing. And I think you know, by, by watching what's happening, by seeing, um, you know, because when we write stories, we want it to be authentic and genuine. And the best way to do that is to watch people and how people react and respond to crisis and situations. And, 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 you know, um, I think sometimes we think like, oh, when bad things happen, people go crazy and they, and they, now people went crazy with toilet paper for whatever reason. Um, at some point I figure people are going to start running out of room, but (laughs) I I, I could be wrong about this, but, um, to find out the things that like, what do people do when they panic or when they're scared or what is the things that people feed off of? And, and I think that that is something that we can, uh, whether you're writing, uh, you know, a romance or whether you're writing dystopian or whatever you're, you know, you're writing historical, you can kind of use this to kind of see how to write your story. Because if you're writing historical, you might not have lived through the depression, but I guarantee you that what's happening now is probably very similar because my grandmother was a depression era generation and her pantry was always stocked. So will this situation that's happening now cause our generation and future generations to stock stuff, like to keep to learn how to cook soup or how to bake bread or, you know, the things that we can't, you know, how to wash laundry because we got to use other things instead of toilet paper, you know, like it could get to that point people, you know, like it's just, it's just interesting. Like as writers, we have, we're observers first and we have, you know, we, well, we should be readers first and then we should be, you know, observe what's happening around us. And I think that we can always pull those things in to put them into storylines. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that. Um, I read another, whenever I say something that it's in any way negative about somebody's book, I never say the name of the author or the, or the title. That's nice. Um, it was, we appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I hope people will do the same with me. I read the superhero book that I won't name who said, who wrote it, but, <laughs> um, but so it was like a month ago, it was really before this became a crisis, like something bad had happened in China, but our lives were kind of going on as normal. Um, 
and because we didn't really realize how bad it was. Um, so I'm reading this romantic suspense book and I'm sorry, but honest to goodness, people, someone is trying to kill her. There are active shooters and they're taking a sex break that lasts for 17 pages. Oh 17 times I hit the Kindle button, page forward. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're having sex. Yep, I get it. Okay, Got it. I said something nice. Got it. And then she said something nice back. And then there was, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, okay. What you know is straight up fantasy. <laughs> it's got to be. I'm like, who's hey, shooting hey, at Ain't nobody you? lasting 17 pages. <laughs> Not gonna happen. <laughs> well, I I just couldn't understand like exactly what kind of I mean I understand that like um, intense uh, possible death does like flips some switches. That's that's a real biological thing. I get that, but um, but, but the fact is you're running from shooters and you stop to have sex. I, I I'm just I'm not following that storyline at all. Yeah. So, you know, I look at something like this and now you wrote your book, you know, at least a year, probably a year and a half ago anyway. And I am so glad that even <laughs> though people are shooting at them, when they're taking a moment to have a movie night, it's because they think that the shooting thing is over. And I'm like, yes, I totally can get into this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh crap, it's not over. And there's more shooting. And I'm like, yes. Okay. This makes sense. But maybe sometimes you have to have had like these moments when you're like, okay, these are the weird things that don't make sense right now. So yeah. what other things would be the normal reaction? That right. Really makes sense that I can put into my fiction. Right. Right. And I think that's like, that's one of like my pet peeves in, in my genre is that I feel like the the couple, the hero and the heroine, when they get together, I want it to be very like natural. I don't. It, I I feel like if someone is shooting at me, the last thing that I'm thinking of is like, let me kiss you, let me have sex. Like that that is literally the last thing that's on my mind, quite honestly. And you know, if if it came down to it, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna have to trip you because I'm gonna let them take you, and I'm gonna keep running because clearly you're dumb as nails. You know that this is not the moment. You know, um, but you know, but I, there's that moment of like, okay, well, you appreciate like your weight. Okay, I appreciate that this person's protecting me, or I appreciate like now I'm I, I realize how valuable life is, and so there has to be like that kind of balance of, of you know, and I think that that's sort of <clears throat> what you know. You look at what's happening around the world, and you're like, okay, there's a balance of people like taking it seriously, staying home, cleaning, doing the things that they need to do, but there's also the moments of like, okay, well, we're gonna go out for a walk. We're going to go out and we're going to enjoy, you know, we're going to do FaceTime with family members. We're going to, you know, enjoy a movie night or whatever. And it hasn't, it hasn't made you forget that there's something happening in the world. It's just making you refocus on like, what's the most important thing so that you can sort of re-energize yourself to face what's coming next because you yes. wake up in the morning and it's like, okay, what's happened now? You know, your numbers have tripled or, or, or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that that's real life. And so I like to write stories that sort of mimic that the best way that I can and the best way that the editors will allow me to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that, um, you know, you and I talked beforehand, how do we want to handle the interview? Like we're, we're kind of right in the middle of a whole bunch of weird things. I mean, because it, it's kind of weird to me that you and my friends in LA are, are telling me that as of a couple of days ago for them today, for you, 
like at some point you need to decide what are all your errands and then you need to come home and then you stay home. I'm like, wow, I, I don't understand. I don't have to do that in Sweden. So, I mean, granted, we're trying not to go out and do things. We're going to do Bible study by Skype. We're doing online streaming of the church service, which surprisingly takes 15 people in the building to do an online streaming. So we're like, let's hope none of us get sick because everybody then of the 15 people will get sick. Right, right. But there's so many things that... um that like what you were talking about, so many things that you can do to, um, to look at the, the positives or find something to do that will um, just make your mind be more at peace. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that helping anybody has a tendency to bring out more peace and joy and kind of yeah. contentment in yourself. I think helping people is a great thing. Um, but also there are so many, I feel like the media is full, so full of opportunities for us to make fictional stories, no matter yeah. the genre, really. Right, right. It really is. There's, <clears throat> there's so much I think going on, and you know, um, you just think of like, I don't know. I, I do. I agree. Like, there's just so much that, like, there's a, a lot of stuff that's happening that you can people can take even just one one part of it, and and you can build a story off of that, you know. And uh, I I guess the like, I guess that's a good thing because as writers, you know, we, we should be inspired by anything and, and being able to write the story. So it'll be interesting in like, well, it'll be interesting. I don't know. I don't want to say like five years or 10 years or whatever, but I feel like it'll be interesting in the next couple of months or years to see how many stories start getting pitched with some sort of element that's coming from what's happening around us and to see how the different perspectives of people who were affected. So like, you know, somebody in Sweden who pitches a story from their perspective might be very different than somebody who pitches a story from China or, yeah. you know what I mean? Or from, from the U S because we've all are experiencing this in very different ways, which is like, you know, you can pick up a, a story and it's romantic suspense. So, you know, the hero and the heroine are going to be in danger and then they're going to fight it and then they're going to win and then they're going to get together. You know, the tropes, you know, those things that happen, but to see like, this is where all of our unique perspectives add the flavor that makes stories great and makes stories right. different. So, right. And, um, and I, I think that you said this too, but when you, when you think, okay, but this is the genre I, I write, you know, it's not romantic suspense. It's this or this. The thing is, is that like, um, if you found out different things that were happening in the, in the military right now, I mean, however much you could find out that was allowed to be known or whatever, that could help you when you're writing your thriller novel, um, having nothing to do with pandemics or, or anything chemical or disease related at all. I heard the most wonderful story that, um, you know, it's social media. You cannot tell what is true and what is not on social media, but this warmed my heart and I like the idea that it's true. So hopefully it is. But um, I heard this story that uh, a man in Italy opened his window and started singing. And then all the other people who were also housebound on his small little street, like that's close buildings and small streets and stuff. Then they started opening their windows and then they like all sang together for a while. And I'm like, yes. oh my gosh, that's <laughs> awesome. You could make so many different kinds of stories out of that. There's so many yes. things you could do. Right. That's, and those are like the things of humanity. And I've seen a vid I've seen videos of this You've seen happening. It? I've seen oh. videos. So I'm pretty sure that that is real. Um, they were showing videos of people like getting out on their back. I think, I think in Italy, someone at one of the, 
I, I feel like it was Italy, but somebody who is like a exercise person got out and like led everybody to like with like exercise, like a right, aerobics. I, and I, so everybody yeah. came on the things and were doing aerobics or whatever. And I thought that was really, really neat. But I, it also like, <laughs> I've also seen people comment and be like, <laughs> I'm sending all of my neighbors, like you better know the songs to the, the words to these songs because we've got, you know, like some people are trying to, to get, because it, it was beautiful. Like it was such a beautiful, you know, <clears throat> moment and leave it to Italy, like the most romantic, beautiful, you know, country uh, to, to, to do that. So, but it's inspiring. I think given that everything that Italy's going through, yeah. how devastating their, their, their world has become currently to see that there is like, you know, it's like ashes, you know, beauty in the ashes. Like they are like, they're like the Phoenix, they're rising up, you know, and, and they are strong and they, and they will make it, but, you know, just to be praying for them and, and their, you know, countries that are so, so yeah. affected by it. Cause I know it's been taking a, a, a toll on them. You know, you watch the news and it just, it breaks your heart. So, yeah. but it's to see that, to see that they still, I mean, it just goes to show that you can be anchored in hope and even just, you know, in spite of circumstances that are surrounding you, you can be that light to the world, you know, cause that was inspiring. Like they didn't just inspire their city or their country. They inspired an entire content, you know, an entire world of yeah. what, what hope can look like. So, yeah. Uh, okay. So we all want to be like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, listen, um, as always, I could talk to you forever, but I told myself I am not going to let it go on as long as when we talked to you in November, I just couldn't, I just couldn't get myself to stop asking you more questions in November. Yeah. <laughs> It was fun. We had a good talk. Oh, we did. My gosh. And then it was like hard for me to go to sleep because I was like so wired. I was like, oh, that was so much fun. <laughs> I know. That's the, that's the problem with your time difference. You're getting ready to go to sleep and I'm my, I can be wired the whole day. Like it just energizes me to get my work done. So Yay. <laughs> you can't shut down your brain. <laughs> I can't. I can't. And the worst part is, is that the book I'm reading is not going to put me to sleep because I have 10% of the book left to find out who's shooting. <laughs> yes. Yes. You've got Natalie. to know. <laughs> you've got to okay. know. I must know. Okay. So since, um, since we are talking right now, because you have a new book coming out on Tuesday. yay! Um, so you are an author who, um, I don't know if you always do this or will always do this, but you have a series, but it's a series that can be read as separate standalone books because you don't have to know what happened with the other people, right? Right, right. You don't have, this series takes place in uh, Walton, Georgia's fictional town, and there are crossover characters um, that are in each of the books, but you can read each one as a standalone. Okay. So tell us a little bit about books one and two, and then uh, book three that's just coming out. <laughs> so book one is the beginning of the series. It starts, um, it kind of introduces readers to the town of Walton. Uh, Lane Kent has moved back there with her um, son. She is a widow and there is a new deputy in town and they run into each other in the woods after Lane stumbles on a body. And so as they begin to investigate who the, who the victim is and, and cause of death and who might have been murdering them. Uh, Lane kind of is forced to grapple with some uh, personal issues. She suffers from depression and, uh, and so she's dealing with that and trying to find self-worth and uh, Charlie is, uh, is the new deputy who is trying to find his place outside of being in the Marines and they you know, work together to, to find out uh, who's behind that, that murder. 
and uh, that leads to deadly deceit. Okay, the uh, book which, one is, you, you forgot to tell us the title, book one oh, is. sorry, Living Lies. Living Lies is book one. Okay. Uh, deadly deceit is book two, and that is, uh, there's uh, two characters that are in book one that uh, get this book. That's uh, the reporter, the tenacious reporter, Vivian DeMarco, and the um, deputy, Ryan Frost. And uh, Vivian is back in Walton, not by choice, uh, just trying to make her way uh, to get out of there, in fact, and her boss uh, dies suddenly. And as she begins to look into that death, uh, she finds out that he was he had a story that he needed to tell her. And so she begins investigating that story. And Ryan, Deputy Ryan, is trying to like keep her safe and keep her out of trouble. And uh, and so they end up discovering that there's a, a, a sinister um, entity out there called the Watcher who is uh, going after people. And so they start digging into that and, uh, and try and find out who he is and, and what, what he wants. And so, and then the last book is Silent Shadows. I have a copy of it here. I don't know if it's oh. going to be, it's, I, I love my covers, Pretty. but um, <laughs> so Silent Shadows uh, begins with Pekka Gallegos, who uh, readers will meet in Deadly Deceit, the second book. Uh, she is a nurse at a re uh, veterans rehabilitation facility called Home for Heroes. And uh, she landed in Walton with her son, Maceo, um, as she was trying to escape her past, uh, escape um, a not so great situation that she kind of found, her, found herself in. And so she's hiding out in Walton, trying to restart her life and uh, gets a phone call uh, from her brother who says that her past has found her and they're looking for her. And so she is trying to figure out, does she stay, does she leave? And uh, she gets an, uh, an honorary new patient, uh, a former captain in the army who is uh, trying to come to terms with a movement disorder that is not really diagnosed, but is basically taking away his life and, and disrupting the life that he had worked so hard for. Um, and so he, doesn't appreciate the threats against his nurse. And so he is going to do what he can to protect her. And uh, in that process discovers that there's a family secret that is going to come out. So, um, and it wraps up, there's an epilogue at the end that kind of wraps up the entire series, which um, when I was, when I was writing the story, I don't think I really, I was just writing the story. Like I had a deadline I needed to get the story in, but then when I got the edits and I started going through the edits, uh, I got a little teary-eyed because I realized I was saying goodbye to these characters and it was a little emotional for me. I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, I'm not ready to say goodbye to them. Um, and so uh, I, was, I was doing the edits. I was like, oh, this is sad. I don't want them to go away, but um, it's a good thing. Like, I think like it, it ended the series. I was really excited the way that the series ended and um, I'm really proud of the, of the story and uh, I think there's a lot of fun twists and turns in this, in this, um, book. Uh, so, um, I'm excited for readers to, to get a chance to read it. Yeah. And let me just say yeah. as a reader, um, I try to be, uh, encouraging, optimistic, uh, enthusiastic, but, um, but I don't overblow praise where I don't mean it. <laughs> I really like your writing, Natalie. I like oh, the way you. that you... You create um, stories and situations that make me feel like I'm not reading. I'm just sort of in the middle of it somehow watching, like just the way that you use words and 
your your use of language and i it's one of those things that i don't want to because i'm enjoying it i don't want to sit down and try to analyze it but i honestly am not sure every once in a while you know you'll read a book and you're like oh my gosh the way they just like you stop and you're like the way they describe that or geez that that dialogue is awesome and it's not that it's like the whole i don't know i love the way you write <laughs> oh thank you so much that really means a lot. i know when I know that there are times when I like, I will read other stories and I have those moments when I'm reading, I'm like, wow, this is such, like, this is such, this is so good. Like I am in the moment, I'm with the characters and, and I'm so glad that I'm able to like, like, that's my goal. I want readers to kind of be able to like step into the pages with my characters. And so that's, that's a really high compliment and I'm so grateful. Thank you. <laughs> You're so welcome. So I know I can say that for sure about Deadly Deceit and Silent Shadows. I didn't get to, I didn't meet you until after uh, Living Lies was out, but, um, but I, I do. Wow. Okay. So if anybody's watching me, I must be getting tired because I just like rammed my, my foot into my microphone and it went flying. <laughs> Crazy times. Crazy time. It's nine o'clock. I had cheesecake an hour ago. <laughs> so you're really doing? coming off of a sugar crash is what's happening. <laughs> shh, shh, don't tell that little four-year-old. He's going to tell me again that I was a bad girl. I shouldn't have been eating my birthday cake before That's right. my birthday. That's right. <laughs> it's your birthday. You can do whatever you like. Thank you. Thank you. And you know what? I'm sure that when he turns 18, somebody's going to tell him that too. Absolutely. And for the rest of his life, because by like, once you hit like 18, 21, your birthday is kind of like, it's, you get to that point where you're like, it's my birthday. I can eat a cake and yeah. it's my birthday week. And I can eat a cake every single day if I like, <laughs> that's right. you know, and then at the end of the week when you have to wear sweatpants, cause that's all you've got. You're like, oh yeah, I just remembered why my mom told me not to do this. <laughs> yes. You know, I just saw, there was a meme that somebody just posted that said, you probably want to like try on your jeans ever so often because people be living like this is like the the free life and it's not people. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to from us back, back in your clothes. <laughs> that is so true. Honest to goodness, that is one of the things that I think about. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that, thank goodness, I have to leave the house to like go to church, or go to the grocery store. Otherwise, there would be times when, um, I mean, this has happened to me when I put on my jeans and went, oh. When yeah. was the last time I wore jeans? This is bad. I wonder if anyone yeah. will notice how how incredibly tight they are. <laughs> you just wear like a really long like sweater or like a coat, like a long coat over it. That's you right. see nothing. <laughs> There's nothing to see here. <laughs> nothing to see here. Just look away. <laughs> yeah. I told my I told my um my friend who's a personal trainer, I'm like, I actually am getting to the point where I can't stand not going to the gym anymore. That actually is one of the things that we aren't doing just because like the gym's open. Everybody says that it's all clean and everything. The thing, here's the thing, Natalie, here's the thing. I, I've been, I've been going to this gym with these same people for the last year. I see these young men. Mm -hmm. I don't really see how I should expect that they're going to change their behavior now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be cleaning up after them. And no, no. Yeah. That is a huge pet peeve of mine. <laughs> I've gone to the gym and like, it has signs posted, please wipe down your equipment after yeah. using and nobody does it. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like on the treadmill, like trying to like, you know, like send a message like, just like, you know, what I mean? and then it just frustrates me. So I've got to the point where I like, I will wipe down before I wipe down afterwards and I make it a huge like, this is my passive aggressiveness coming out. I make it a huge deal. Like, I make it a huge scene. Like, so everybody sees this is what you're supposed to do. 
Like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly like I think it does never work so yes probably gym like not going to the gym is probably in your best health interest <laughs> maybe but kind of like with the jeans thing I realized that if I was going to do what I told my friend I was going to do which was do more exercises in my home and then go running and of course as soon as I decided to go running the temperature dropped 10 degrees yeah. it was yeah. 28 degrees Fahrenheit when I woke up this morning people that's like two or three degrees below zero Celsius yeah I'm sorry but my desire to go running just I mean you like to keep your toes and fingers, you know, those are the things you'd like to have. That's right. <laughs> and no runs I, worth that. <laughs> yeah. And I realized this weekend that if I'm gonna do uh sit-ups and push-ups on my living room floor, that rug does not look like it's been vacuumed in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so there are some other things that will come up in your life once you stay home. You'll be like, I never knew that there was um what do you call it? Like cobwebs in that corner. But now that I sit here for 24 seven. Yes. Yeah. You're Yeah. And that, yes, yes. You're just like, Oh, okay. That was like tortilla chip crumbs in my, <laughs> I promise I'm clean. <laughs> unclean, unclean. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, all right. You know what? I have already broken my promise to listeners. We are already about the same amount of time we were last time. I swear. I, my, my goal is that by the time you get to this point in the podcast interview, you'll go, thank goodness she actually kept her promise to have a short introduction. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, um, we have talked about different ways that we might come up with new plans, figuring out our new normal. You said some great things about trying to be gentle with yourself. I mean, like maybe give yourself a little bit of a break when it comes to planning and deadlines and, and like forcing yourself to find your new normal schedule now. Um, things keep changing sometimes every day, definitely every week for uh, the last many weeks, things have been changing. So Hopefully, we will have encouraged you to take a breath, uh, make some notes about story ideas that you could use later. Uh, hopefully, this will be invigorating in whatever you're doing with your editing. Um, again, Natalie had, had several ideas about how having this new information in your head might actually help you to edit things to bring um, more I don't know, you didn't say it this way, but liveliness, emotion, action when you're editing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in the meantime, what you probably need is a book that's so good that you can't sleep until you finish it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I have to say, I strongly recommend Silent Shadows. <laughs> now, Natalie, you kindly told me that you are okay with me putting out this episode, even though Silent Shadows isn't out now, but there's a good reason for that because the reason is... We have pre-order goodies. You're available. Um, Silent Shadows comes out March 31st. And so um, you have a couple more, I guess like a couple more days or maybe a week or so until that comes out. And so I am offering pre-order giveaways, uh, pre-order goodies. So it's a custom bookmark, some stickers, a signed book plate for the stories. So uh, you can pre-order Silent Shadows from any retailer and then uh, go to the link on my, uh, you can, there's a link on my Instagram page. There's a link on my website, www.nataliewaltershwriter.com um, that you can submit uh, your, your receipt for the pre-order goodie. I can get that into the mail for you, but that's exciting that the pre-order goodies only last until uh, March 31st until release date. So perfect time to, to pre-order your book and get some book mail. <laughs> 
Yay. And that's the thing. The mail is still operational. Yes. Thank <laughs> goodness. I'm so grateful. <laughs> now, They'll have um, to change their slogan, uh, like rain, sleet, or COVID will keep yeah, them down. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Pandemics, we're still okay. We're on the road. That's right. That's right. And just because we have an international audience, is this only good in the United States for uh, U.S. addresses or where do you mail to? We can do, I can do international because it's, it can go in an envelope and so that I can take care of that. So definitely open to internationals for pre-orders. Yay. Okay. And then if you can't wait because you just finished a book and you're like, darn it, don't make me wait five days. Uh, Living Lies and Deadly Deceits are the first two books in the series, though you do not need to read them in any particular order because they are kind of standalone, but just have some overlap characters and all in the same town. Yes. Yeah. So um, Living Lies is available. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, it's actually free right now. The ebook is free. So nice. go grab Living Lies. You can read the first book in the series and then Deadly Deceit is out there. Also, I know, um, obviously I'm an author and I would love for you all to to purchase my books, but I am a huge supporter of the library. And so I know that many libraries um, and uh, book loaning uh, websites and apps are have my stories available online. So you for those of you who can't maybe order a book or whatever, you can check out the books, um, even the audio versions of them and catch up and then grab Silent Shadows when it releases on Tuesday. Yay. Awesome. And just a reminder too, um, if your library does not have Natalie's books, you can just request them. A lot of libraries yes. will just go ahead and purchase on request. So yes, absolutely. I am. I'm a huge supporter of the library. And so I think, I Me think too. it's fabulous when people request, would request my books. So for sure, request the books and get them out there and, and, and get people reading them. <laughs> awesome. As always, totally awesome talking to you. You have such wonderful, positive energy and enthusiasm for life. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show again. <laughs> Of course. I mean, it could be cabin fever, but we'll call it, you know, joyful energy. <laughs> Excellent. You know what? Let's just go with that. We're trying to be positive here, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. There will be no shining moments here. That's right. <laughs> All right, Natalie, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks so much, Kitty, for having me. I'm so glad to be here.